Today's scripture is Matthew 9:35 through 10:8. The harvest is great, the laborers few. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The Twelve Apostles. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Phaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaan, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. The mission of the twelve. These twelve Jesus, these twelve, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, Proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Way to go, Carla. We give you a passage with all sort of strange-sounding names, and it didn't stop you. And then, the lectionary gives you scrambled-up verses. Often, Dallas and I have to talk because we'll look it up in the hymnal, and he'll say, Pastor, that reading isn't in the hymnal. And so I have to go and rearrange it and that didn't stop you. And congregation, good on you too. Because it didn't stop you all either. You were going to say something even if it wasn't up there on the screen. Yeah, this congregation, the Word of God will not be stopped. I do have a few questions for you today, however. Who here has ever cleansed a leper? Who here has ever driven out a demon? And before you say it, ex-spouses are not included. <laughs> Who was thinking that back here? I'm watching y'all. Who here has ever miraculously healed the sick? Who here has ever raised the dead. And you call yourselves Christians. Where is the power? Where is the faith? Don't we believe with all our strength and mind 
that with God all things are possible? Don't we believe that nothing can stand against the Holy Spirit and God's legions of angels? It's my fault. I've been thinking about this a lot, Phil. It's my fault. Obviously, I haven't been teaching you properly. So, I am going to correct that mistake today. We will start with the easiest one. Today, I will teach you from God's Word how to raise the dead. After that, we'll get to the hard ones. So please pray with me, and we will get started. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us on this Father's Day. We are grateful for the opportunity to open your word, to glorify your name, to sing your praises, and to pray from our hearts with our hearts. Grant us this word for today. May it be your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love stories from England because they use cool words like vicar and parson. You know, here in the United States, reverend, minister, preacher. I get called preacher a lot as if that's the only thing I do. But vicar, that's pretty cool. Parson, Parson Steve, that kind of has a ring to it. Well, I'm going to tell a story about a vicar who visited one of the well-off members of his congregation. Now, you need to know that it was winter and it was bitterly cold outside. The vicar was well wrapped up in a heavy coat. The men chatted for a while, and then the vicar told the man that he wished to talk to him in private and said it was confidential and asked if they could go outside to speak. The man didn't even bother to put on a coat as they stepped outside. After all, what could the vicar want from him that would take so long? But the vicar, cozy in his heavy overcoat, began talking about something or other until his host was literally shivering with cold. The man tried repeatedly to find out what the vicar wanted so he could go back inside and get warm. But the vicar just kept on talking. Hard to believe that a pastor would just keep on talking until the man was really shivering by this point. At last, a wealthy man said with chattering teeth, 
Vicar, if you don't ask me what you came to ask me right now, I am going to die in the freezing cold. Sir, the vicar said, there is a family. The father has been laid off. I need money enough from you to supply fuel to get them through this cold winter. Well, immediately the rich rich man picked a, a, a roll of notes from his wallet and handed it to the vicar. And then the man said, Vicar, now I know why you left me standing so long out here in the cold. You know that never in my comfortable life have I been really cold. Now that I have experienced this misery for myself, my heart has opened up to a need of which I was before unaware. I don't know if that story is true or not. I'm assuming it is. It's on the internet. But I do know that there was a time during a South Carolina winter where Sissy and I went without heat every night for a few weeks. Snow was on the ground. The parsonage had those old style heaters where it had a pilot light and you would turn the knob and it would heat the ceramic plates to a glowing red. Y'all remember those? Yeah. Only the house was so drafty that the pilot lights would blow out. And all you were getting was gas flowing into the house. So at night, we couldn't trust it. And so we had to leave it off. I kept reporting it to the trustees. But they weren't nearly as good as James and his gang. And it was nearing Christmas, and they had just come out of Thanksgiving, and everyone was busy. Finally, I called a meeting of the trustees at the parsonage, where I left the heat off all day. Parts were ordered, and within three days, we had a safe way to heat our house. Sometimes you just have to see things for yourself. When he saw the crowds, Jesus had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Compassion is where resurrection begins. Without compassion, the man may not have provided so generously to a family in need of warmth. 
without compassion, feeling what others feel, Sissy and I may have turned into popsicles. Without compassion, Jesus would not have healed. You have to be concerned to reach out that way. You have to care to reach out that way. Without compassion, nothing much, in fact, gets done. With compassion, miracles happen. Hurting families are given new life. Wallets open up to help others in need. With compassion, fishermen get turned into disciple-makers. Souls are changed. Selfishness gets turned into generosity. The needy are given help and given care. Is this not resurrection? Can you think of a better description of people both then and now than harassed? and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. The other day I went out to our church's vegetable garden. Harry had brought Gabriel, his four-footed friend, with him. The whole time I played with Gabriel. You see, I can see Harry any time, but seeing Gabriel is something special. And the whole time, Harry, true to his nature, was pulling up weeds and grass out of the flower beds. And I want you to know, I, I thought about helping Harry. I really did. There's just one problem. I don't know enough to tell a plant from a weed. A lot of goodness would have been lost in my ignorance and a lot of my playing with Gabriel. Our world is filled with goodness, but it's also filled with a lot of dangerous weeds. Our world is filled with things that look healthy, even fun, but that are quite deadly. So now to resurrection. The greatest resurrection you and I can ever perform is to make a disciple of Christ. The old life is dead. All is made new. Is that not resurrection? Once I was blind, once we were blind, but now we see. We live a whole different way. There's a whole different way of giving ourselves to the world for Jesus Christ. We who have been marked with the cross of Jesus Christ, we have been claimed, we have been gathered in, we have been sent by God's goodness to the world. And even the angels stop what they're doing and rejoice when a sinner repents 
and proclaims Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it all begins with compassion for the lost, for the searching, for the rejected, putting ourselves in their shoes. Look around this week. Look at people with fresh eyes and ask yourself, what is it like to be them? What do they feel? What do they experience? What are their lives like? Nora, are you out of school yet? I want you to take notes. Maybe if you're real nice, your dad will help you. I want you to look at three people this week, and I want you to write down what you think their lives are like. And what are they like? Are they nice people? Have they gone through some tough times? Do they have it good? Are they living on Easy Street? Do they have a child as nice as Nora? Would you do that for me, please? Just know I'll read your answers in church. <laughs> and folks, we're going to let a child lead us. If Nora can do it, I'm pretty sure you can too. I'm not going to read your answers like I'll read hers. But take time to do it. It's amazing what you will see. And you'll discover something really great, that you are the one being resurrected. And it all begins with compassion. Let me add this. You didn't hear much of Father's Day in that sermon, did you? Actually, it was through and through. Most of the things I said in this sermon, I learned from my father. No one, no one taught me more about faith and loving Jesus and what unconditional love looks like and my dad. No one else on the planet. Seminary professors? No. It was my dad. Every church I've been in, I've been blessed to have Christians who could nurture me and walk with me as much as I walk with him. But no, it was my dad. That is his legacy to me. What is your legacy going to be? What will your children do because of you? What will the kids you influence in vacation Bible school do because of you? Rick, what's, what's going to happen to all those kids you're making homes for? I know you think about it. You, you and I shared that. Happy Father's Day and amen.